latest series. We've been on a series entitled The Dream Lives On. The Dream Lives On. And whether you know it or not, whether you've considered this or not, I don't know if you even live with an awareness of this, but there is a dream greater than the one that you're aspiring to. There's one that's bigger than what you're shooting for in life. It's bigger than your business. It's bigger than the bank account you envision. It's bigger than the family that you desire. It's bigger than uh, the accolades that you're seeking. It's bigger than anything that this world offers you. But the thing about it is that if you are to discover that dream, God's dream must become your dream first. Let me just put that uh, to you, uh, for you in layman's terms. God's desires must become your desires first. They must trump what you want and what you see. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been studying the life of a dreamer, a guy named Joseph. And this guy, Joseph, had great dreams. They were great dreams, not just because they were bigger than anything he'd ever conceived in his own heart and mind, but they were bigger because they were God's dream. And so Joseph got excited about this dream, but Joseph turned this dream into a nightmare in the beginning. See, he was destined to be a ruler. He was destined to be an initiator, uh, one that God would use as a vessel in his hands to bring about uh, paving the path for Israel to multiply as a nation and eventually to be an integral part of bringing about God's solution for the world. But again, Joseph made this a nightmare because Joseph made this dream about himself. The scriptures say that when he received this dream, uh, the uh, first revelation of it, he went to his brothers and he says, hey guys, I had a great dream. God showed me uh, that we were all in the field and my sheaves stood up and yours bowed down to mine. Ta-da! And the scriptures say that his brothers hated him. They hated him. When he told his father and his mother another dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowed down to him. His father says, you're going to be king over us? Get out of here, boy. Beat it. Scram, kid. You bug me. Right? He kind of kicked them to the curb. He rebuked them, the scripture says. And so uh, Joseph had this idea that the dream that God had for his life was for him to come out from under the abuse uh, inflicted to him by his brothers, uh, that he was to come up out of, uh, up from under the authority of his parents, to kind of be his own man. And so when he shared it, it blew up in his face, so much so that the scriptures say that one day Joseph is walking uh, towards his brothers, and they see him from afar, and he's heading towards them while seeking them at the behest of his father and to find out how the, the herds were that they were caring for. And so when his brothers see him, the scriptures say that they looked at him and they say, hey, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's see what comes of his dream. And so Joseph arrives to them, and by divine, interve divine intervention, two of his brothers, uh, used by God, say, hey, let's not kill him, man. He is our brother. Let's sell him into slavery. And so Joseph ends up in Egypt under the uh, rule of his Egyptian master, a guy named Potiphar. And I don't have time to get into that, but no matter how complicated things got for Joseph, and they did get extremely complicated, Joseph always found himself on top. He found himself uh, rising above the circumstances that gave the appearance that his dream was dying, that it was being killed. See, the dream lived on, but the dream lived on because it was God's dream. And so God has a dream for your life too. Maybe you're aware of it, maybe you aren't. And from Joseph's life, we learn the importance of putting God first, seeking God first. And so last week, we left Joseph off uh, where he was delivered by the hand of God from prison, and he's promoted 
to the place of authority over all Egypt. And it would seem that the fulfillment of God's dream from Joseph's life was complete. He had risen to the highest ranks. You got to understand that Egypt was the dominant empire in that day. It ruled the known world. So what does that mean? That Joseph became ruler. He was at a place where he could impact not just Egypt, but he could touch the world. And Joseph, I would imagine, thought he'd arrived. Hey, I'm ruling. People bow the knee to me. People are coming to me seeking an answer. It would seem that the dream was complete, that it had all come full circle. And it probably all made sense now. But as we'll see today, there was more to the dream than what Joseph understood. Today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, when life finally makes sense. When life finally makes sense. See, the scriptures reveal that while Joseph now found himself in this place of authority over all Egypt, there was a matter that remained unresolved. That matter would pertain to his family, his brothers, his mother, his father, the very ones that God showed him were key players in an intricate part of the dream. But these people were way off in the land of Canaan. And so today we pick up in Joseph's life at the point where he has been functioning as ruler of Egypt for over nine years. And the known world at this time finds itself two years into a severe famine that God had foretold and shown to Joseph, uh, that Joseph had shared with uh, uh, Pharaoh. And at this point, there's another five years where things promise to get worse. And so as a result we find at this juncture of Joseph's life that Egypt and the world are distressed and they're doing everything they can to survive. And the answer lies in Joseph's hands. And this includes Jacob, his father, and his family who were in Canaan. So the scriptures say that the day came when Jacob was short on resources. He'd run out of all his resources and he instructs his sons to head on out to Egypt to purchase grain after hearing that someone in Egypt that the people of Egypt had grain. And so they head out there. And when his brothers arrive, they find themselves face to face with Joseph. But they're unaware that it's him. And so in an attempt to find out about his father and his younger brother who was not with them, Joseph enacts a plan to force their hand that eventually would lead to the moment when he would come face to face with his family and the dream would come full circle, and his life would make complete sense. Now, I want to encourage you to look at this with a different set of eyes. I want you to set aside what you think you know. I want you to set aside where you've been. I want you to set aside the filter that you're processing through. And I want to encourage you not to hear my words today. I want to encourage you to look to the scriptures and see the truth for yourself because Joseph's story is not Joseph's alone. Joseph's story is my story. It's your story. It's our story. Amen? And so turn with me, if you would, in your, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45. We're going to look at verse 3. Starting at verse 3, it says, Joseph said to his brothers, so here they are before Joseph, lying prostrate before him. He says, I am Joseph, my father. Is, he, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him. 
because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. It's going to get worse. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. So as I said before, up until this point, it would appear that Joseph has arrived. After all, he's ruler of all Egypt by appointment of his captor. But while being under the authority of Pharaoh, Joseph reveals that he is now a father to Pharaoh. That's an important point. Because in the Hebrew, what Joseph is literally saying here is, he's saying, I, God has placed me as Pharaoh's head. He's made me the founder of his reign. He's made me the protector of his, of his authority, of his kingdom. He's made me the source of his honor. See, all people bowed the knee to Joseph. No one, Pharaoh said, was greater than Joseph. And yet at this moment, Joseph's brothers are prostrate before him in fear of what he would do next. See, his brothers had no clarity of God's plan, and Joseph had no revelation of God's plan up until this point. He realized that the dream went far beyond his exaltation over his family. The dream was about bringing something to the entire world. Let me remind you the words of Joseph I don't know if we'll be able to put them up again, but I'll just kind of say this. He says, God sent me ahead of you to preserve a remnant, on, a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, it sounds at surface level that Joseph is simply alluding to making a way for his brothers and his mom and his dad. But the reality is this, that these were a family. This was a family. These were people of promise. And the promise that they lived with lived with was the promise that God had given to Abraham, which was that through his line, he would bless all the earth. It's speaking of the lineage of Jesus. And so what I want you to consider is that the dream was about so much more than what Joseph thought. It was not just about his family, and it was not just about Israel rising as a nation. It was about you and me. It was about you and me. And so from Joseph's life, we see a, a, a few things. We're short of a few things. Let me just encourage you with these. It's that God's way is better than your way. God's way is better than your way. Let me ask you a question. How's your way been working? Think about it. With your limited understanding and your extensive resume of your experiences, with everything that you thought was right that wasn't right or the things that you thought were the best thing to do but did not factor God at all? How'd those things work out? 
See, God's way is better than your way, and there's an invitation to walk in that way. Let me also encourage you with this from Joseph's life, is that his plan is better than your plan. It's better than the plan that we can conceive. His plans are so much better than our plans. Why not begin to pursue that plan? Why not begin to find out what this plan is all about? I can assure you that that plan isn't simply about attending a place we call church. It's about so much more. And we also see from Joseph's life that his dream for your life, God's dream for your life, is more rewarding, more fulfilling, and better than you've ever dreamed of. Listen, this guy, Joseph, thought it was about me, myself, and I. And towards the end, he realizes something. My God, you have chosen me to be your very tool to do something great for the benefit of all peoples. Do you know that that's the call upon your life too? It is. And so every single, every single person, every single day comes to the crossroads of decision where they ponder questions such as, what's my purpose? What's my life all about? And in this moment, when we wrestle with these questions, when we're seeking beyond what we see and what we've known and what we're experiencing, it's crucial that we strive to gain a wider view than that which our experiences and our limited view of life affords us. In Psalm 32, verse 8, Listen to what God says. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye. Now, I'll tell you why I share that scripture with you, because your life holds great promise. Our lives hold great promise. There's a guarantee. If you look at verses 6 and 7 there, and I'm not going to read them, it talks about how when we walk with God, we walk in safety how we walk through uh, the mighty waters and they will not reach us, how God is our hiding place and he protects us from trouble and he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. But I want you to see that that happens when you understand what God sees. And so in this verse, in verse 8, God says, I'll instruct you and I'll teach you in the way that you should go. But he tells us how he does that. It, it's according to what he sees. And so when the scripture says he's guiding you with his eye upon you, God's seeing what you don't. And as we walk with God, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to see God and understand what he says and what he sees. And I'll tell you why that's important. Because what you see and what you say many times doesn't match up with what God sees and says. Isn't that the truth? It's the truth. And so many people miss God's presence and purposes in the face of rising waters of life because they fail to realize the purpose of his instruction, the purpose of his promises, the purposes that his word reveals. Listen, many people are pursuing their purpose, but they're not pursuing God. And you will never understand your purpose. You will never understand the intricate details to the call, the specific thing that God has for you if you're not seeking God above all. And so this is where Joseph went wrong initially. He did not venture to see what God saw. He focused upon the thrill of the call without getting the viewpoint of the one who had called him. And so it's important that we get to this place where we're walking with an understanding of what God sees. And I got a clue for you 
a mystery. You ready for this? It's all revealed in his word. It's all revealed in his word. Every, every single aspect of it is in his word. And the more you dig into his word, the more you give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to you. As a matter of fact, let me, let me correct that statement. The more you get into his word, the more you give yourself the opportunity to hear the voice of God. Because the Holy Spirit only speaks one language, the words of the Father. And so you see, the course for your life and mine and where we find ourselves today might not make much sense. You might be in a place in life where you feel like you're in a pit, like Joseph was at one time. You might be in the place where it appears like you are far from what, you, what God has shown you, like Joseph was. You might be living with the wounds of betrayal inflicted by those closest to you, like Joseph was. You might be in the place of promotion that gives the appearance of great success, like Joseph was. But no matter where you find yourself in life, this you must know. Listen closely to this. Your current state in life is not as important as the one who is with you. I'm going to tell you why that's important to, to consider. Because oftentimes, what we do is we live by our circumstances. We live by what we see. And the scripture says, we walk by faith. That word walk there speaks of a journey on life. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't be deceived by what you see. Don't let your feelings lie to you. Don't let the, 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 the lulling pull of the enemy that constantly points you to what you're seeing while God's walking with you and leading you according to what he sees as his eyes upon you. Don't miss that. Psalm 33 verse 11 says this, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Get this. You want a long-lasting journey? You want a, 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 a journey that lasts and it's good and, it, and it's progressive and you're flourishing? Then here's what you got to do. You got to begin to align yourself and seek the counsel of the Lord. Because it says the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, watch this, are to all generations. When you're seeking God and you're aligning yourself with his plan and you're pursuing his purposes, not only does it impact your life today, you want to leave something to your kids? Pursue God with all your heart. You want to leave something to your children's children? Pursue God with all your heart. Long before Joseph ever had a plan to rule over his family, God had a plan to set him up that would deliver his promise of redemption to Israel and to the world. See, Joseph saw God's plans in the moment, but from Psalm 33, we see that God sees his plans for the course of eternity. You ever been in a car with someone and you're driving and they've already been on the road you've been on? And so they tell you, hey, there's, there's a sharp curve coming up soon, right? You might want to slow down. That's kind of what it's like with God. He sees before you get there. But you see, only the one that heeds the call can navigate. That makes sense? I pray that blessed you. That was free. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to just share a couple of things with you about making sense of God's plans. 
This place where life finally makes sense. And the first thing I want to share with you is that life doesn't make sense until God's purposes do. I'm going to say that again. Life doesn't make sense until God's purposes do. Some of you, you can relate to that. You understand that because you're not where you were, but you're not where you were because you started following the one who's leading you today. And so 1 Peter chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. By the way, newsflash, the scriptures clearly tell us right here that everyone has a gift. You're gifted. There's something special about you. And so it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Watch this. So that in all things, how many things? All, all things. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Watch this. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. And here's my favorite part of this scripture. Amen. I'm going to tell you why I share this with you. Because as Christians, it's, come, it's a common notion for many believers today that we are to serve. That we're to live as examples of what is good. Right? That we're to put to use the gifts that God has given us. And there are many that strive to live in this manner. And they do. But none of it is of value if, if none of it is of value or use if we don't do it with the right end in mind. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There, there, it makes no sense to live in this manner where you're doing so, doing good things, and 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 you know, yeah, I go to church, and and yeah, I read the Bible, and hey, let me tell you something about Jesus. It's of no use. If we do that, it's of no use if you excel in your career. It's of no use if you excel as a father, as a mother. It's of no use if you excel even in the church if it doesn't reveal Jesus. Listen to what the scripture tells us. It's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. Now, let me just give you a piece of advice. The scripture says that when that your right hand, you should not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? And so here's, here's the point. For some of us, here's what we believe we're supposed to do. Look at what God is doing through me. Oh, praise me. Oh, praise me. Right? It's all about me. And if and if what you do draws attention to you and you only, you're missing the point. Life doesn't make sense. You know, the, 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 when the Bible talks here about the glory of God, it's the Greek word doxazo, which means to make renown. It means to reveal in excellence. It means to hold in high honor. It means to magnify, but watch what you're revealing. Watch what you're, uh, watch what you're revealing uh, as excellent. Watch what you're holding as honor. Watch what's, what's renowned. Watch what you magnify. It's God's opinion. It's God's opinion. This is literally what this Greek work is referring to. So when, when your life is, ref, is reflecting God, here's what it's doing. It's telling somebody who Jesus is without you even having to quote one scripture.
You know, life should be a lot like these glasses. Some of us, we approach life as a mirror, and some of us, we approach life as glasses. You know what a mirror's all about? Who do you go to look at in the mirror? You, right? Oh, my, my, I need to get my lashes done. <laughs> oh, what, not lashes, eyebrows, right? Oh, some of you get your lashes done, you know. I, I, I'm not knocking you, you know. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> if I could get this hair done, I would, but it's not going to happen. Anyway, I'm sorry, let's get back to the text. For some of us, we approach life like a mirror. But we're just looking out for self. We're looking at ourselves. We're evaluating ourselves. We're improving upon ourselves. But life, according to the scriptures, really should be more like a set of glasses. They serve one purpose, to look through and to bring into focus what's before you. And here's what the world should see through your life. Jesus. It should see such a powerful testimony, witness of the goodness of God, of the power of God, of the love of God, of the wisdom of God, that when people look at you, they may not understand it's God, but they may, they, 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 they're compelled to say, who are you? Who are you? And at that point, there's your door of introduction. Well, let me tell you about the God I serve. So here's a question that can help us all gauge where we stand in relation to this point. Do people see you, honor you, and marvel at your excellence? Or do they see Christ? It's, it's a good measure of weight to, to place ourselves on the scale against and see. You know, Solomon was a man who began his journey as king of Israel by seeking the purposes of God. God gave him a blank check, essentially, and said to him, hey, ask whatever you want. He says, God, who am I that I should lead these great people with yours? God, I need you. God, give me your wisdom and your understanding that I might do what you've called me to do. He started off on the right foot, but in the latter years of his life, the scriptures revealed that there's a shift in his life. He deviated from the purposes as he focused upon gaining understanding. He started digging into how does this work and how does that work and why is this and why is that and, and nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But then he also started to devote himself to, to other gods as he pursued other women, pursued other things. But I want you to hear his words at the tail end of his life as recorded in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. He says, now all has been heard. Let me translate that for you. I've been there. I've done that. I tried this. I tried that. I went here, I went there, I accomplished this, I accumulated that. Kings, queens bowed at my feet to hear the wisdom that I possessed. I've, I've had money, I've had women, I've, I've had possessions, I've had all these things. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter, he says. Here's what I find life is all about. Fear God, that simply means reverence him, respect him, adore him. And keep his commandments. Watch this. For this is the duty of all mankind. You know what he's saying there? He's saying this is what mankind, this is what life is really all about. The wisest man in the world next to Jesus concluded this at the end of his life. After he had wasted so many years, he says, man, I did all these things. And the most important thing was to pursue God, to know God. 
You know, Joseph's life did not come full circle until he understood what God's purposes were. You will not understand life, and it will not come full circle for you until God's purposes become the center point, the center point of your life. Amen? The second thing I want to leave you with here is that the promise is the plan. The promise is the plan. Listen, it's easy to get excited and make the mistake of getting ahead of God when you get a glimpse of your life purpose. It's where Joseph initially went wrong. He saw the promise, but he did not understand it because he was living outside of the details. Let me put it to you this way. What's a ruler without people? No ruler at all. And see, Joseph thought that he was destined to rule over his family. And what he did not realize was that God was literally preparing him and calling him to be one that would, instead of having people bow down to him, would be one who would lay down his life for the salvation of many. And so I want you to consider something about the promise and how the plan is containing this promise. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hey, newsflash, you have everything you need to fulfill what God has called you to. Not my opinion. That's, that's what the word declares. God is giving you everything that you need for life and for godliness, for right standing with him and life with him. But watch this. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we begin to see a design, a strategy here to accomplishing this. It says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Watch this. That through these, through what? Through these promises. Through this revelation of what God has already provided. Through what God has already placed within you as a new creation in Christ. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You have escaped the corruption that is in the world, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, watch this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so according to these verses, our lives contain, you know, and the scripture says that we, 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 we hold um, treasure in these earthen vessels. It's talking about not just Jesus, it's talking about the wisdom of Christ, it's talking about the strength of Christ, it's talking about the plan of Christ, it's talking about your calling, it's talking about your gifts, it's all contained within you. And so, according to these verses, our lives are to be driven by the promise, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the promise opens up the doorway for the plan. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time you got a hold of a promise that God gave you from his word? Don't answer that. Not for me. Answer that for yourself. Can I tell you that as believers, you know what we're called to do? Believe. Believe in what? Oh, well, I believe in Jesus. Good. Great. Awesome. That's great. I, I mean, that's, that's worth being rejoicing about. Beyond believing that Jesus is the Son of God, 
What promises have, 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 have you been enlightened to? What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you pulling from the word that's giving you a foundation on which to stand? See, without the promise, according to the scripture, you can't partake of his divine nature. You know what that simply means? You can't live the life that God has called you to. And so, it's not enough to know that there are promises. It's not enough to know that Jesus is Lord. It's not enough to know that my sin has been forgiven. Those are all good and those are all true and those are all beneficial. But you see, we must endeavor to go somewhere with these promises. And Peter tells us wisely by inspiration of God how to do that. He says, add to your faith. Watch this. He says, add to your faith. He says, give, give all diligence and add to your faith virtue. That's moral excellence. Right? He says, to your, uh, to your uh, to virtue, add knowledge. That's understanding it in all matters. To knowledge, add self-control. That's discipline of our desires, of our passions. That's simply controlling what many people refer to as the flesh. The scripture goes on to say that to... to uh, Self-control, that we're to add perseverance, that's steadfastness, that's, that's assurance and patience to stand despite what you see. To perseverance, we're to add godliness, that's reverence unto God. And to godliness, it says that we're to add brotherly kindness, which is love for one another amongst the body. And to brotherly kindness, the scripture says, add love. Love. And this love is the goodwill, it's the benevolence, it's the power of God to extend himself and reach people. And so, as we do, as we begin to strive and, 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 and grow in these areas, and, and we're adding to our faith, and we're adding, and, and there's things that we're learning and we're growing, and something begins to change. You know, the scripture says this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. But watch this. It's also the evidence of that which is not seen. So here's what the scripture gives us. It gives us substance. So God's word says, you are the healed of the Lord. Let me check that out. What exactly does that mean? So we begin to look into the scriptures. And the scripture says, in I believe it's uh, 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 3 John 2. It, it says, uh, 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 beloved, I pray that you uh, be in health and that you prosper in all things. But then it goes on to say this, as your soul prospers. Okay. Wait a minute, so there's something that's supposed to be happening with this mind of mine. Okay, what, what, does, what has to begin happening? So we begin to take steps, right, on that substance. And as you begin to step into those promises, watch what happens. The scripture says that faith is the evidence of that which we hope for. So all of a sudden you step into it, and while you may not understand everything, now you begin to see some things, and you begin to stand in, in light of what the doctors may say, what people may say, and you begin to take a hold, and you begin to do the one thing that Jesus said. He said, believe only. Believe only. And all of a sudden, before you know it, something is changing in you. Something is happening in you. See, as we do this, it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in all matters pertaining to our relationship with God and the promise of our individual lives. The next thing I want to share with you is this. It's that God's dream for you is for others. Listen closely. God's dream for you is for others. As we've already seen, 
God had a bigger dream for Joseph's life than simply raising him above his family. God's dream was for the purpose of bringing great blessing to the lives of others and carrying out the vision to establish not just Israel as a nation, but to pave the pathway for salvation for all mankind. Now, I'll tell you why that's an important point. Because like Joseph, God's dream for your life is limited until you see his intent to touch the world around you through you. Let me ask you a question. Did you come to Christ by osmosis? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you, someone played a role in that. And that's an important thing to remember. Because the truth is that God's best representation of himself is you. Let's stand here. I'm going to say that again. God's best representation of himself is you. Listen to Isaiah 46, 10 and verse 13. Because it, it tells us about God's unchanging plan. Verse 10, it says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And so there's something that God has done. There's something that God has decreed that he says this will stand, this will remain forever. What is it? Verse 13, he says, I am bringing my righteousness near. That's what he's saying. You know, righteousness comes near to those who don't know they need it. He says, I'm bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. My salvation will not be delayed. Listen to what he says. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. Get the picture that God is reminding the people of Israel in Isaiah. And it's also a good reminder to us. My plan has been, is, and always will be this. To bring salvation to the world. Now watch this. For you. And if the dream that you're pursuing is not pushing you, it's not birthing in you. It's not inciting in you. It's not pulling out of you a desire not just to love God more, but to love people and to reach people and to serve people and to bring hope to the hurting and bring healing to those who have given up, those who have been set aside, those who don't see, to bring them sight. If your dream, if what you're pursuing in life doesn't push you past you, then you're missing your highest call. To represent God and bring salvation to this world. So as you pursue your dreams, as you go after your purposes, do not make the mistake that Joseph made at the onset. Remember that God's purposes are to use your life and raise you for all to see that he is good, that he is God, and that he has provided a way for all to know him and to have relationship with him.
to find salvation for life. Now, I know what somebody just thought here because I heard you. You didn't know I heard you, right? Listen, I've been where you've been. I've struggled with what you've struggled with. I've been through some dark places myself. And I know what it is to say, who? Me? <laughs> Don't take my word for it. God says, yeah, you chose Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.